Welcome to the Goal In Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Bruffs, and I'm proud to be bringing you these stories of commitment from everyday heroes right here in Sydney, Australia. Today on the show, our guest is Brian Kane. Now, if you're a first-time listener to the Goal In Podcast, then you're an in for an absolute treat. And if you're back for more, well, welcome back. Thank you for being back. I truly appreciate your loyalty, and I love the feedback that I've been receiving of late. So please keep that coming as well. Before you settle into the show today, please make sure you hit that subscribe button on your phone, on the app that you're listening in on right now. That way, you will never miss an episode. Okay, let's get into this. Every now and then, you meet people in life that are almost perfectly in sync and aligned with your message and your view of the world. And Brian Kane is certainly one of those people for me. He embodies absolutely everything it means to go all in. Now, Brian is uh, widely regarded as the foremost authority on mental performance mastery, and today, you're going to see exactly why. He's the creator of the Mental Performance Mastery Coaching Certification Course, and he's a number one international best-selling author, and he's also a speaker and a consultant as well. Brian's worked with Fortune 500 executives and organizations, as well as other coaches, athletes, and teams at the Olympic level. And he's also worked in the National Football League, the National Hockey League, the Ultimate Fighting Championship, as well as on the professional PGA Tour, as well as Major League Baseball. His credentials and his experience are are truly astounding. It's amazing some of the people that he's worked with. Brian's also a 12-time Ironman triathlete. Imagine that. He's also a 100-mile ultra-marathon runner. He practices what he teaches And as you'll see, he knows a thing or two about going all in. You're going to love his practical, simple, yet pragmatic approach to living life to the fullest and making the most of your time on this planet by taking control of and mastering your mind. I'm excited he's here, so please help me in welcoming Brian Kane. Well, good day, Brian. Welcome to the Go All In podcast. It's great to have you here, mate. Robert, thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure. All right. Well, I'm super excited to have an ultra endurance athlete on and the go all in show is about mindset and doing whatever it takes to succeed. But before we get into that and your views of the world and what you've done to succeed in your life, let's get to know you a little bit. I want to know where, tell the audience, where are you from? Yeah. So, you know, I grew up in a small town in Massachusetts. I was a three sport athlete, uh, American football, basketball and baseball. And, you know, when you're growing up in a small town in Massachusetts and you're a good athlete, it's, it's kind of like being the best snowboarder in Mexico. Like no one really gives a shit, you know, but you're confused and you think you're better than you really are. So, you know, I got a scholarship to go be a division one college baseball pitcher at the university of Vermont. And I had never really failed up to that point. You know, in the States, if you're a good athlete in high school, you go to division one in college and you really haven't failed. But when you get to division one and it's that no different in business, it's no different in any sport that the higher you go in levels of competition, everybody has physical skill. So, you know, I was able to get by in a small town on a lot of physical skill, but when the talent evened out, I had nothing to go to and it was life and death. And when you fucking make sports life and death, you will die a lot. So I was going crazy and, you know, I wasn't getting much help from my coaches, you know, and they, one guy finally said, dude, go talk to the sports psychologist on campus. So I walked over there and met with her and she was a clinical psychologist and she was helpful but she wasn't a performance sports psychologist that was going to give me tools to close the gap from where I was to where I wanted to be. So is that so, where it started for you all the mindset stuff? Oh is that yeah. Where it started right. Uh, so you're actually a little bit older. Yeah. And well, you know, it's, it's, 
it started in high school with my high school football coach. He was a super motivator and a guy that I, that I wanted to be football coach John Allen. I wanted to go back, be a high school teacher, be a high school AD, be a football coach. And then when I got to college, I realized, you know, I was unprepared to be successful in college. And it wasn't because I didn't have a relentless work ethic. It wasn't because I wasn't going all in. It was because I was fucking going all in on the wrong things. You know, <laughs> I was going all in on the wrong stuff. As in, I was a power athlete. I was a pitcher and I was running 10 miles every morning. My fastball went from 88 to 82. Why? I was training wrong. Mm. And if you train wrong, or if you want to go in that direction, but you run really fast in that direction, you can work as hard as you want and you're going to go further from where you want to be. And I lived that. So I went on this quest, Robert, to find out what was it that would have helped me as an athlete. And I remember the day clear as day, July 4th, 2000, a Barnes and Noble on 600 West Boylston Street in Boston, Massachusetts, across from Fenway Park. <laughs> and I walk in, and what do they have in Barnes? They have Barnes and Noble in Australia? Booksellers, uh, yeah? No, I don't know. It's a big, it's a big bookstore. It's like the bookstore. biggest We know what it is, yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, 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 uh, and I walked in, and they had a baseball section. And at this time, I'm 21 years old. I have never bought a book. I've never read a book. But I walked over and, and saw... Heads Up Baseball by Dr. Ken Ravizza, playing the game one pitch at a time, master of the mental game. And I picked a book off the shelf, or it picked me, I don't know yet. And as I opened the book, there were these black boxes that were essentially giving you the option to go through the Cliff Notes book in 20 minutes, right, and read the boxes. So I read the boxes and I was like, light bulbs going off, control what you can control. Don't try to get an out, just try to make a pitch, stay in the present moment, don't be perfect, be present, have a routine to keep you consistent. And I was like getting hit in the face, like how come no one's ever taught me this? So I bought the book, read it, and then sent them an email and said, hey man, I loved your book, I want to be a pro baseball player. It ain't going to work out. I realize that now. I want to be a coach. Do you offer a master's in this? So I ended up going from Vermont across the country to California, where he was a professor at Cal State Fullerton. And Cal State Fullerton in the States is one of the top college baseball programs in the country. I was there in 2002 and three as a grad student of Ken Revisa's and as a graduate assistant baseball coach. They won the national championship in, number, in 2004, so the year after I left. So being there and seeing him teach – and then being able to go with him to watch him work with the Anaheim Angels, Major League Baseball team, universities like USC, UCLA, Long Beach State. Like I got to see a guy who could have been a rock star coach of any sport but chose mental performance working with these elite teams. And I said, that's what I want to do. And the beautiful part about working under Ken and, um, you know, was that you got to see him do the work. And I've had a lot of people contact me in the field of mental performance that are getting an academic degree. One guy spent $80,000, $40,000 a year to get a degree. Robert, you know how many times in his two years in sports psychology, he went and saw a professor work with a coach, athlete, or team? Fucking zero. None. So what does that mean? He got zero experience. He paid for an $80,000 textbook. Mm. But when I was in Cal State Fullerton, I'm not sure I even bought a textbook because Ken was the textbook. And he right. gave us everything he got, you know? So I went on this quest to find out what I needed. I got it from him. I got to see him put it into action. And since I got out of there in 2003, man, my number one mission in life has been to educate, empower, and energize other people to be their best. So I'm honored to be with you here. And as a side note, a year ago this week, so four days ago in a year, Ken passed away. And just two days ago, I want to show you this. I got a silhouette of his face tattooed. Or is it going? Silhouette yeah, of his yeah. face tattooed on my heart right there, man. So Ken Revisa will be with me every step of the way until I die. That's a, uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful tribute and, and rest in peace there, Kenny, because he's been a big influence for you. Obviously, that's a, that's a really nice sentiment there, mate. That's really cool. It's going all in, right? I mean, yeah. It's still going baby. back now, man. It's going all in. It's, it's, it's all in. I, I just wanted to back up before we move on in, sure. in the podcast. And, 
it seems like you were a little bit older by the time you realized all of this stuff. How come you didn't discover it at school? There was no one there at school, small town, no one that had kind of done those sorts of things before. And, you know, sometimes when people discover things, they discover them earlier on. And I wish that I found so many things earlier on in my life, but it just wasn't to be. Was there a reason why looking back at it now? I think if you look at the field of, of sports psychology, which I refer to it as mental performance, and the reason being clinical psychology, body image issues, drug alcohol issues, eating disorders, that's not what I do. Mm. So when I say sports psychology, people think those, those clinical issues, that's not what I do. I do performance, routines, mindset, leadership, culture. So I call it mental performance coaching. So, you know, I think if you look at the field of mental performance coaching, it's kind of where sport and psych- um, strength and conditioning was like, we're like 20, 30 years behind strength and conditioning. Mm. You know? So when I was coming up in high school, I mean, people would put a quote on the wall and say, that's mental performance, but no one ever talked about routines. They'd tell you to relax. They'd never teach you how to relax. They'd say you got to be more consistent, but they wouldn't help you to figure out how to do it. You know, it was so, it was a lot of talking, not a lot of tools. Mm. And what I got from Ken and I try to teach and and it's all in my books and my mental performance mastery certification are the tools that I use when I'm working with the top coaches, athletes, and corporate people from around the world. Yeah. It's uh, really interesting for me to, to see that, you know, and, and I think I knew, I already, you never ask as a podcast, you never ask a question you don't know the answer to. Right. So, but, but I kind of discovered it a little bit. I downloaded your audio book yesterday and it's about the 12 pillars to mental mastery and I'm really enjoying that. And, um, I was trying to overlay that into my life where I'd come from. So I, I love the presence of it. Like it's telling me a story and I'm present while I'm listening to it. But it's like, man, if I had have known that way back when, and, and I kind of, I, I couldn't help but think about it in terms of my military career. So as a, as a soldier here in Australia, you, you're on the verge of being a professional athlete but for the government with a gun running around kicking indoors, you, you have to have, as an infantry soldier, you have to have a really peak level of fitness. Otherwise life is really hard. It's just, that's kind of the way that it is. You know, it's not about being fit for your job, but it's about being having a level of fitness that you're able to, to handle it. And just, just listening in that audio book to some of the, some of the comments and some of the things it's like, man, I wish somebody had told us that. And it's a little bit what you said, Back in the day, 20 years ago, when I was in the military, we didn't understand the psychology of all of those things. And I can remember being scared out of my mind about to jump out of an airplane at nighttime or, you know, you're about to dismount from an armored vehicle going into a dangerous place. But there was no one saying, you know, this is what you should be thinking about. There's no psychology. There's no nothing. It's like, you know, put on your big boy pants, mate. You're a big tough paratrooper. Go and get on with it. But just to, in that half of an audio book that I've listened to, I thought that would make such a huge difference to a soldier just to have that in his mind to know, to get your head in the game. And I guess that's about as far as it went for us when I was in the military is like, get your head in the game, put your game face on and bring your A game because you don't want to get killed yourself or somebody else killed. It's like, it's crazy how far it's come, right? Yeah. And, you know, in our, our, in the, in the States, you know, our, our special operations warriors, I know some of my friends that are Navy SEALs or retired Navy SEALs, when we get together, it's, uh, it's special because they talk about a lot of the same principles. The exact same principles that I teach in a sports setting are the same things that they did in maybe the most difficult setting in terms of, of military where, you know, games aren't at stake, lives are at stake. So, yeah. you know, how do you stay in control of yourself when you're jumping out of that airplane or you're jumping off that armored tank? How do you stay in control of yourself when you're kicking in a door, knowing, not knowing what's on the other side, but just knowing it wants to kill you? You know, how do you kick in that door and go in there? 
in control of yourself so you can be in control of your performance. Because, you know, like we talk a lot about is emotion clouds reality and emotion can cause you to make mistakes in performance. So you have to be able to respond to your response and stay in control of yourself. And a big part of that is routine, breathing, the visualization of seeing it. So that when you go in, you feel like you've been there before, or you're at least more prepared, more confident, the understanding about positioning of your body language and what that does for you scientifically with the research from a woman named Amy Cuddy at Harvard. You know, and a lot of the, the principles that go into it apply not only in sports, they apply in military, they apply in corporate, they apply in everyday life. Mm-hmm. I, I love it because it's just such a practical skill. And once you've mastered something that's quite difficult and you've mastered something that's challenging, it becomes a reference point in your life. And it doesn't have to be physical. It can be mental or emotional. And once you've mastered that particular thing, it lets you move forward and and gives you that point of comparison. I I found for me, that's been something that allows me to step off into the next phase of my life once I've mastered that and it's under control. And if that challenge presents itself again, I know exactly what to do. I know how to handle that. And that's, that's an element of training. And I guess in some ways, the military had that a little bit, albeit in a very, very rudimentary fashion. I don't know what it's like these days. Hopefully it's progressed a little bit and Paratroopers are not so scared as what I was. Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> uh, so, and, and it's also, you know, it gives the opportunity to learn to use fuel, uh, fear as fuel. Yeah, You know, and I think that's, that's the biggest thing that a lot of people run from fear. And, I, you know, you have to run towards fear. And we use the story of every morning in certain parts of Australia, right? The lion and the gazelle wake up and the baby lions don't have a roar loud enough to you know, disturb the gazelle to put them into a frenzy to get out of control and, and go running. But the adult lions do. But the problem is the adult lions aren't fast enough to catch the gazelle when they get in a frenzy and they go taking off. So the adults and the baby lions got to work together. So the adult lions crawl over on this side and the baby lions are on this side and the adult lions will give a big roar and put the gazelle into a frenzy and the gazelle go, oh shit, lion that way. Boom. And they turn around and they go running into the awaiting jaws of the baby lions. <laughs> the gazelles make, as you know, Robert, is you can't run from war, man. You got to run to the roar. You got to mm-hmm. look at that hard thing and say, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to find a way. And if you make the total commitment, if you understand that T plus E equals R, Time plus effort equals results. You might not get it today. You might not get it tomorrow. But as long as you're going all in and you won't quit, eventually you will get what you want. Yeah, beautifully said. Beautifully said. And that embodies the, everything that there is to do with the goal in spirit. I, I love it, mate. On, on that note, I want to I segue. People come on over to this show, Brian, to learn more about others that have gone all in. And you've worked with hundreds and hundreds of people that have done just that. But I want to know about you a little bit more. I want to know about your biggest goal in story or stories and the lessons that you learned from your commitment to success. So if you could, could you please share with us your biggest goal in moment? I mean, there's been a, you know, I, I, it's like there's been a lot, but there hasn't been any, you know, because when you get through it and you get done, you're like, well, it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. Mm. Right. So whether that's, writing eight books in eight days, literally working 20 hours a day, just ingesting unhealthy amounts of caffeine, standing up in an ice bath and just continuing to write because I needed to get these eight books done in eight days. Uh, That was one. But I think probably the most recent one was on June 1st, I ran my first 100 mile race. And, you know, six weeks before the race, I got a calf strain. So I went from doing about 70 miles a week down to probably less than 10. Two weeks before that, I went and did a marathon in the Great Wall of China, which was awesome. And then did the 100 miles and then six days later did a half Ironman in Madison, Wisconsin. And, 
you know, the first mile of the 100-mile race, right? So you start at 6 a.m., it finishes at noon the next day. There's only 50 people that run, and you have a crew. So my wife had a car, and she would drive five miles ahead, and I would run to the car, and then I would, you know, get food or, or more water or whatever. Well, shit, Robert, the first mile in, dude, I got diarrhea. Oh, and, I'm like, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, and I'm, and I'm like, man, I'm in trouble. So it's, it, it's nonstop for the first 30 miles. I'm sitting there. I drank two bottles of Pepto. I probably took close to, as we, as we looked at it afterwards, almost 20,000 milligrams of caffeine, which is about a hundred cups of coffee, which is, I don't recommend, <laughs> but I do recommend if you're willing to die and you'll do whatever it takes to fucking get to the finish line because you have to do whatever it takes And yeah. that day. And maybe that's the only day of my life that I have been this all in was I said, Robert, I don't give a fuck. If I die, I will finish this race. And if I die, well, at least I'm going out doing something that's really damn hard, you know? And I didn't get to the point where like I, where my kidneys shut down and like David Goggins talks about where he's shitting up his back or pissing blood down his leg or anything like that. Like it didn't get that bad for me, I think, because I was, I was trained enough to do it, but man, I tell you what, I wanted to quit at least once an hour for the 29 and a half hours that I did the race, you know, and it was just you, you, I used every single tool I have ever used with an athlete or one of my clients from act different than how you feel to shrink the race from, I'm not trying to get from mile 55 to 56. I'm trying to get to that fucking mailbox a hundred feet in front of me, mm. you know, to, I downloaded the Rocky four soundtrack at one point, you know, and uh, <laughs> was just listening to that and, and, and talking out loud to myself in the third person, like, you used every single thing you could come up with, man. And um, the reason why I did the race, you know, everyone asks you, like, why'd you do it? And it's not like I have a huge why, you know? And I don't know if you always need a huge why. I think that's motivational speaker mumbo jumbo, right? It's like, mm. you gotta have a really big why. If you have a big why, you can do anything. It's like, well, no, man, if you have a big fucking commitment, you can do anything, mm. right? And, and what was my why? I wanted to see if I could do it. What was my why? I feel like there's a lot of phonies in this space of mental performance who will stand there and tell you what to do, but don't fucking do it themselves. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't want to be that guy. I want to be the one that says, hey, man, mental performance is caught more than it's taught. Like, let's go do this shit. Mm -hmm. And then people get to see that you're actually living what you're teaching. And if you're living what you're teaching, it makes teaching a lot easier, you know? And it doesn't have to be a hundred mile race, but Hey man, I say this a lot and it pisses a lot of people off and I'm okay with that is that leaders aren't fat. Like get yourself moving, bring some energy, take care of yourself and you got to find something to get uncomfortable, man, because you got to learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable and you can fucking say that or you can live that, man. And once you start living that, then I think you'll start to make an impact because again, it's caught as much as it's taught, man. Mm, beautifully beautifully said that it absolutely I, I was so excited to have you on the show and and the fact that you're like so into this mindset stuff it's just perfectly aligned to my thinking and my way of thinking but it albeit seems to be 10 years advanced from where I am and I'm not really putting myself into those circumstances I, I, I have had the urge recently I jogged a lot when I was in the military and it was always really hard for me because I don't know, maybe just as an infantry guy, you have a, a big upper body and sure. you, you concentrate on carrying a heavy pack all the time and that's the sort of activity that you do. So running was always really hard for me. And when I left, because you're in the routine of training so much, the, the sport of choice for me was jogging. And I used, to, I used to love running. I run for hours and hours and hours, but after years and years of doing it and not really training for anything or competing in anything, my kind of knees feel like they've been worn out a bit. And recently I got back into it and, Gosh, it's been a slog. I tell you what, mate. You know, just to 
to get three or four kilometers into something and forcing yourself to do that. But you don't get any better by lying in bed and having that sleep in. You don't get any better by sitting on the couch watching Netflix. You don't get any faster. You don't get any stronger. And it doesn't become any easier unless you freaking just get out there and do it. And it's hard. You can't, it, well, and it's the start that stops most people. Mm. Right? People think, oh, I, gotta, I can't run. I haven't ran in years. Well, then walk to the mailbox and back. Yeah, and exactly. then do it twice tomorrow. And then do it three times until you can build up to, to where you could jog to the mailbox once and walk back. You know, mm. and the thing I like about running is it's the ultimate process and it's the ultimate mental game. And I remember August of 2016, I signed up for my first Ironman triathlon, right? 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, 26.2 mile run. I signed up. The next day I go for a run. I can't run a fucking mile. <laughs> I don't own a bike and I don't know how to swim. Yeah. Now, granted, it was about 95 degrees in Texas. That played into the equation. But, dude, I was probably 220 pounds, you know, not good weight, wasn't exercising. I was the guy that said, oh, I'll do that later. And I got stuck behind the computer screen and never would go out and exercise. So I have a certain rule in my life that I would encourage all busy entrepreneurs to use. It's called sweat before screens. Mm -hmm. Get your workout in first thing in the morning because if you do, you'll have to be able to play off of that energy all day and that better focus all day, that better juice all day. And if you're juiceful, you're useful, man. And if you're juiceless, you're useless. And if you wait till the end of the day to work out, it's probably not going to happen because your day is going to get turned upside down. Opportunities are going to arise that you want to take advantage of. So if you don't maximize your time of the day, first thing in the morning, last thing at night, while everyone else is getting ready to wake up or getting ready to go to bed, if you don't maximize those times, your day becomes a gunfight. If, if you're good at what you do and people want to get a hold of you, mm. you know, if you're sitting there and no one can, no one knows you exist and you don't do any marketing and you don't put out any content and you're waiting for people to come to you, it ain't going to happen. You'll have all day to do what you want to do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I love, I love bookending my day with that as well. And I, I guess the, the military had a, had a way of kind of breeding that into as a young person sure. training first thing in the morning. And that's something that I is absolutely not negotiable for me. And it's not really training for anything. It's just movement, right? Sometimes yeah, it's, right. A, it's a walk. Sometimes it's a jog. Sometimes it's a gym. Uh, and, it, and sometimes it's a routine. I've had a bit of an injury in the last couple of months, but my injury today, I was probably about 25 minutes into a, a warm-up on the treadmill. My heart was pumping. I had a bit of a sweat going and I, all right, I'm ready to do some weights. And today I finally felt like I'd overcome my injury. And I was like, right. And I left and I felt like a million bucks. I was like, right, that's it. I'm back into it. And it was amazing. Like the, the you know what? I, I was probably all right two weeks ago, but something happened in my mind. Like I, I've had a shoulder injury and, you know, I just, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't, I couldn't get on my stand up paddleboard. I couldn't do a rowing activity. And worst of all, I couldn't do a chin up because I'd worked so hard before I'd been injured with my chin ups. I could do like 25 chin ups in a row. I could do three yeah. or four sets of them. It was like really good. I was getting my muscle ups really good. It was going really well. And then bang on my paddleboard, I injured myself just repent repetition. Sure. And for Six months, I couldn't really do anything. Just a busted chicken wing, you know. And finally, rehabies. Rehabies are so painful, and then not doing it because it's so painful. And looking at Google doctors and doing all of that. And anyway, finally, finally, on the other side of it, what what happens to somebody that allows them to shift in their mindset? What what do you think it is? You must have seen it a hundred times with people coming back from injuries. I mean, I just went through it myself before the hundred, right? And I think what it is 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 when you get injured. A lot of times, you, you know, if you're doing physical therapy or if you're going to Google doctor, if you're getting different exercises to do, you start doing those exercises and you're like, 
okay, well, it's not going to happen. It's not an instant fix. It's not a magic pill. Nothing is. Not exercise, not, not mental performance, not physical therapy. It's a combination of so many things, it's really hard to put your thumb on it, right? So a lot of people want to say, oh, I wanna, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to get 20% better in this one area. That's not going all in. Going all in is getting 1% better in 20 areas. Mm. And when you're focused on getting 1% better in 20 areas and dialing in nutrition, dialing in hydration, dialing in sleep, dialing in going to bed at the same time, waking up at the same time, dialing in sweat before screens, dialing in some meditation, dialing in writing down what my goals for the day are, dialing in schedule every minute of my day and getting better with time management. When you do all those things, the compound effect of all those little things add up for massive results. And well, I think why, that's what it is. Why, why don't people do that? Why do people doubt themselves in those things? You know, because what, what you're saying is just so unbelievably simple to do. Sure. Why do they doubt themselves? Because they don't know any different. That's why. Because they haven't been trained. I mean, bottom line, I think, Robert, is people always, I mean, you go, you go to any like store in Australia, the US, Canada, you'll see a t-shirt that says rise to the occasion, <laughs> but you'll never see a t-shirt that says sink to your fucking habits. And that's exactly what you do. You yeah. don't rise to the occasion. You're not going to go do something you've never done before. If you're not trained, right? You're not going to outperform your training and we know you're not going to outperform your self-image. Well, your self-image and your training and preparation are tied directly together right? So the more training you do, the more prepared you are, the more confident you're going to have, the better you're going to perform. So people have to understand that they're going to sink to their training and they need better training. And they get training from a podcast like this. They get training from uh, one of my books, The 1% Intention or the Mental Performance Mastery Series, you know, but they have to get training. And I think coming from a military background, coming from a sports background, we had training. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people that maybe haven't had the opportunities to participate in competitive athletics or around mm. a military scenario, you know, and there's other avenues as well, just haven't had that level of training or they go into a company. And one of my, one of my friends who I do triathlon with is, is an HR director. And she's like, yeah, we do all, we do tons of training. I'm like, what type of training? Oh, we show them how to use stuff on the computer and this, and that. I go, you're training them in what to do, not in how to be the best version of themselves. Mm. And they'll never outperform their best self. So if you really want to move the needle in your company, the best investment you can make is into your people, not into what they do on a daily basis. Because if they can't focus, if they're not energized, if they're not motivated, and if they don't have a process going on in their life to make them their optimal version of themselves, that's not going to show up in your workplace. Mm. Better people, as you know, the New Zealand All Blacks down there near you, the, one of their core principles, and they used to work with my mentor, Ken Revisa, Better people make better all blacks. So if you want to move the needle, become more, right? Everyone wants more. You got to become more. Mm, I love it. I love it. It's, uh, there's a word that you said in there that I really, I really caught onto and I want to pull on that thread a little bit. It's doubt. You know, I asked you why do people doubt themselves because they don't have the right number of training and it kind of leads me beautifully into the next question that, that I have here is it got me thinking about all the sports psychology and all the, the things that I've done in my life where I've gone, Oh my God, I'm like, I'm scared of stuff or I'm worried about something or I get in my own way and I'm, I'm my own worst enemy. And that's very, very common. People are always their own worst enemy and that's because of, of doubt. But when you overlay sport and athletics and things like that, there's so many things that have never been done before, but suddenly when one person does them, all of these other athletes start to do them as well. How come it just takes one person to break through the four-minute mile or something like that, and then all of a sudden, everybody can run a four-minute mile, but before that, nobody could run it? 
it's all in uh, their mind, right? Once somebody's done that and gone over, over the threshold of that, that's, that's an exciting thing to watch. Well, it's funny that you mentioned the four-minute mile from May 6, 1954 with a guy named Roger Bannister at the Ifley Road track in Oxford, England. He goes out to run the first sub-four-minute mile. And when he crosses the tape at 3.59.6, all the naysayers come out and go, no, no, the track can't be long enough. They measure the track. <laughs> on point they'd say it must be wind dated and the guy's running an oval it ain't wind dated he's getting it the same in both directions he runs the first four minute mile ever unique thing about banister which most people don't know is he was a medical student very smart and he also would miss a lot of his training sessions because he was in class you know and he actually got to the point where he said if i'm going to get this done I'm going to have a class a week. So we cut a different class every week to get to the track to train. And what most people don't know about Bannister too is in the 1948, I want to say it was Helsinki Olympics, he failed to medal when he went in there as a favorite. And you see adversity causes some people to break, Robert, and it causes mm-hmm. other people to break through. And I think that's why some people have doubt is they look at failure as final, man. And they look at life as winners and losers. Bullshit. It's winners and learners. Mm. And if you keep learning, and if you remember this one, I don't know where I, I, I put it on Twitter the other day, fail, forged, what was it, F-A-I-L, forged again in losing, right? Like mm. how do you forge a sword? You stick a sword in the fire, you pull it out, and you bang the hell out of it. You put it back in the fire, you take it out, you bang the hell out of it. And every time you take it through that process, it gets tougher. And I think people have, people, again, they avoid the roar. They don't want to fail. And when you flip the script and you say, the more I fail, the more I succeed in the marathon of life, you're willing to take more risks to grow and you stop playing it safe all the time. So mm-hmm. I think when people have, when people get consumed by doubt, you know, then they finally see someone else do it and they go, Oh well, shit, if he can do it, I can do it. Whether, <laughs> you know, if he can do it, I can do it. Like my high school I went to, I graduated with 90 kids. We put seven players into division one college baseball, which is unheard of over the course of nine years, like, because the first guy that went, everyone else goes, well, I got the same coach as that guy does. I got the same weight room that guy does. I can work harder than that guy does. And it just starts to show you the path. Now, if you, if you don't know the path or you don't know anybody that's done it, that's where you get to go online and you go to YouTube. You, I just heard a story about a guy who threw the javelin and he won a gold medal in the javelin. You know who his coach was? YouTube. <laughs> Learned how to throw a javelin watching YouTube. <laughs> I, I'm endlessly fascinated by my uh, my teenage son who says, "Hey, look at this Rubik's cube. Oh, yeah. Can you oh, do yeah. that, Dad?" And I'll, no, man, I can't. Like, how did you learn to do that YouTube? And then uh, I distinctly remember he mustn't. He's 17 now. Or he's about to turn 17. He mustn't have been more than about 14. And I over at his place, he doesn't live with me. This my wife, and he's over there, and he's got a guitar. He's like, "Check it out!" And he's jamming away on his guitar. How'd you learn that YouTube? And you're so unbelievably right. You can, we have all of the world's information at our fingertips on our phones and there's just no, there's just absolutely no excuse whatsoever for not learning something like that or, or learning to break through like that. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful sentiment you've got there. I really appreciate you sharing that with us. If I can jump, if I can add to that, to the, to part of the challenge is there's so much information. I think why people get doubt is they get drowned in too much information. Meaning you want to know what nutrition plan to follow. Dude, there's high carb, high fat, high protein, no fat, no carb, no protein, macros, paleo, you know, bulletproof. You want, there's a million different diets. Mm. You just got to go all in on one and see how if you get the results. Mm. If it doesn't work, go all in on another one. But you can't just stay back there and go, there's a hundred roads. I don't know which one to take. Let me stay here. No, just go down one. And if it's not the road you want, turn around and go down another one. You have to take action. 
And I think one of the biggest mistakes that we make, and, I, and if I could send a message to you know, your listeners, it would be do what every single Olympic athlete does. Every single, every single Olympic athlete has one thing. It's not what country they come from. It's not their size. It's not their strength. It's that they got a coach. Mm. Every Olympic athlete, when you watch them come walking into the village or in the opening ceremonies, they all have a coach. So if you want to speed up your learning curve, if you want to get better results faster, find someone who is doing what you want to do or has been where you want to go and hire them because you pay attention to what you pay for. Beautifully said, beautifully said. We've said that many, many times on this podcast. There's absolutely nothing, nothing better than a coach. And nothing more important than an accountability partner of some description, whether that's your coach or someone else, that's, uh, that's something that amplifies that in a huge, huge magnitude. Couldn't, couldn't agree more, you know, and accountability partners. It's funny you mentioned that. I'm coming out with a uh, 30 days to mental performance mastery course for athletes. In day one, we talk about finding an accountability partner that you're going to go through the course with to help hold each other accountable. Because if you just think about the power of accountability partners for your listeners, how many times have you said, Hey, I'm going to go to the gym at five 30 in the morning before work <laughs> and you hit the alarm and don't go hit the alarm and don't go. But then all of a sudden you find someone who is going and you wake up and you feel like shit, but you go anyway. Cause you don't mm. it's the power of accountability, man. You're more, we are as human beings more accountable to other people because we're social creatures than we are to ourselves most of the time. I don't know if there's absolutes in that, but most of the time, if we have an accountability partner who we're going to meet, we're way more likely to show up. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I sometimes see people uh, taking better care of their, their cats and their dogs and their pets than they do of themselves. And if you only spent the same amount of time on yourself and caring for yourself the same way you love that pet, you would be so much further down the track of, of life. It's a very, very true statement. I wanted, I wanted to ask you um, a question for myself, not on behalf of the listeners, because this is kind of my podcast and I get to do that, which is kind of cool. That's the whole point of having a podcast, sure. right? Absolutely. So, so here, here, here I am, Brian. I'm like in my early 40s, about to turn 43 years old. I think I'm in reasonably good shape. I'm in pretty good shape. You know, I can, I can still run the same times um, that I ran when I was in the army. In fact, I could do better than a lot of that stuff. And I think that's just with the benefit of time and better nutrition is part of it. But I can certainly cut it with the same 25-year-old Rob can do it today at 43 and still beat it and still be really good. But here's the thing, man. My body's fading a little bit. There's just no avoiding it. My dodgy, dodgy paratrooper knees, little bit of arthritis in there. It's getting inside of my head a little bit. What do, what do I do? What can I do to, to turn that little dip that I have around? Because in my mind, I want to do it exactly the same as I did when I was 20 years old. But my body's saying to me, dude, you go and work out like that. The next day, it just hurts and it hurts. And it, hurts. it seems to hurt more and take longer to recover the older I get. What can I do in my mind? Because I know it's physical training. It's just more training. But in my mind, to make the shift of that, because I'm blocked. I can't get over the block. And it mustn't be just me. I must be asking on behalf of thousands of people that are listening. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I'm going to turn 41 in a month, and I'm in better shape than I was at 21. Mm. I feel like that. That's how I feel as well. Yeah, you know, now I don't (laughs) – I got to warm up longer. I just, I got to stretch more. I bought a cold tub for for the garage, you know, so I do, I'm much smarter and I prioritize recovery more. I don't drink as much. I'm not out as late. You know, I, I, I treat my body much better now than I ever did. And I, and I think as you mature and you get older, 
you understand more about yourself, your priorities become more clear, you realize you can't have a zero day, meaning where you're unproductive because you, you either can't move physically or you're hungover or whatever it is, like have zero, zero days, man, you know? And I think what I would say is get coaching, find people who, who are going to be able to give you answers and a plan and to help you get to where you want to be because we all have a gap, right? We have a gap from where we are to where we want to be. And the way we close that gap is with the right strategy and the right science. So, you know, one of the first things I, I have athletes or corporate people I work with who want to improve fitness, improve energy, improve focus, thus improve results, improve life is go get a blood sample and find out where's your testosterone level, where's your vitamin D level, where's your vitamin B12 level, you know, what's going on there. So rather than just go to GNC and go, ooh, give me those supplements. It's like, mm -hmm. no, no, no. Let's, let's get your blood tested every 90 days or every six months and let's supplement the right way to help you figure out where you might be deficient so that we can actually be working on a plan instead of just throwing darts against a dartboard. But, oh, shit, I threw a dart that way, and the dartboard's over there because I got no idea because I'm just walking in and listening to the 18-year-old at GNC who's getting paid to sell product hmm. instead of going to get the blood sample done. So that's the first thing I do is find out actually what's going on underneath the skin. Second thing I do is get a, get a qualified trainer and get yourself to become you know more mobile, right? I try to use I do a lot of Pilates and yoga just simply because I feel so much better. Then I'll go doing the strength do the strength training. If I just go into doing strength training or just go into doing running, if you're doing the same pattern all the time, eventually you you, you don't you know you're not working stabilizers all the other stuff that goes with it, and you're going to get worn out. So, I, first thing I think is get the blood sample. Second thing I think is get the quality coaching that you can find. And you don't have to do personal training all the time, but you should get a personal trainer that you can see. Like I see mine once a month and they give me a plan and then I go execute the plan. And if I have questions, I can call them, but I know what I'm doing. I just need the plan. I need someone to kind of say, Hey, here's, here's what you should be doing based off of where you're at and your screening and all that. And then I think the other thing is like sleep. We grossly underestimate the value of sleep. And I will, you know, Dr. James Moss uh, is the guy who I go to as the sleep expert in the world. I call him the savage of sleep. He was a professor at Cornell University in New York for over 40 years. And when I, when I sat down with him and interviewed him for my podcast, the one thing that I said was, make it simple. Tell, tell anyone walking the face of the earth what are some simple things they can do to maximize their sleep. And the one that he said that has hit me the most has been go to bed and get up at the same time every day. Mm. So in my mind and on my schedule, I schedule every minute of my day. On my schedule, it's 9 p.m., lights out, it's 5 a.m., wake up, and then I'm into my day. That's and a lot of sleep. You need to sleep that much? That seems like too much to me. Well, you know, he said the, in the ideal when you're in adolescence, which I'm not, right? But when you're in adolescence, he said nine hours and 15 minutes. And wow. what I found just from traveling, I travel 280 days a year, different time zones. Like yesterday, I was in Texas. Today, I'm in Arizona. I'll be in Las Vegas tomorrow. And finally, I'm home. But, you know, what I found is that if I give myself that structure, the nine to five, I'm waking up at like 4.30 and I'm ready to go. Mm. you know, and then send on the occasion. And if I stay on that routine on the occasional day, like the other night, uh, I was working with the team USA bowling team and I got delayed. I didn't get in until 1130 and I had to get up. I got up at five to get a workout in. So I had missed some sleep, you know, but I feel like if I can, if I, in my mind, I'm consistent nine to five, nine to five, nine to five, I'm going to have more juice and more energy than I've ever had. And I do feel that way. Mm -hmm. really, really interesting. Um, I discovered my number is seven. If I if I sleep a, a full seven hours, I feel really really recovered, and and that has absolutely helped with my training regime and certainly the recovery from a shoulder injury as well. So I, I know I, I feel really 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 good. My partner 
Sue, she has uh, rheumatoid arthritis and she has asthma as well. And, and the medicine they give to you for just a little tangent here, the medicine they give to you for that lowers your immunity. And because she's an asthmatic, if she gets a cold, she gets really, really sick. And a couple of times she was hospitalized because she was so crooked from it. And I said, one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to get off that medicine and we're going to work this out, or you're going to die of a cold because you're going to get so sick because your immunity's low. And we discovered all of the, the Wim Hof techniques for sure. rheumatoid arthritis in the cold water. And when we discovered it, it was probably about a bit more than a year ago. It's winter here in, in Sydney now, and we live right by the water. And I discovered Wim Hof, and I said, here, here you go, let's go and do this. And we got in the cold water, man, and it was brutal. Oh, yeah. It was like, it's brutal for her to walk down there because her mobility is not so great, but then to get in the cold water and be neck deep or covered up in, you know, maybe 15, 16 degrees for 25, 30 minutes and then have to walk almost 500 meters back in the cold at nighttime. But it kind of it broke the, the cycle that she was in, got her off the meds, got her in remission, got her really good. And now every single day, every single day without failure, she gets out of bed at quarter past six, goes down to the beach, in the water, rain, hail, shine, big surf, little surf, no surf, whatever. It's just the, the routine that she got herself into. And as a result of that, because she wakes up early, I don't go with her every day, but I go with her often. But the alarm goes off and bang, I'm awake. But sometimes I, if I go to bed early, I'm awake at like four o'clock and wondering if I'm going to run out of hours in the day to do what it is that I want to do. So that's why I ask you, you know, trying to get to bed at nine o'clock at night, dude, I've got another like four hours in me to do stuff, to read books, to do stuff, to get on with things and build my business and make stuff happen. That's the, the issue that I've got. But I also, lucky enough, discovered that I could have a little nap in the day. Sure. And, and that makes, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. You know, it makes a huge difference. The other thing I say to myself is if I can't get done what needs to get done by nine o'clock, then I'm fucking around too much during the day. Exactly right. And, exactly and, right. I just, and, I, and that's why if you look at my social media, I follow zero people on Twitter. I follow zero people on Instagram. I, don't have, I, I, don't, I couldn't tell you last time I turned on a damn TV to watch other than, than one of my athletes maybe playing in the Major League Baseball All-Star game the other day just because I got enough that I need to get out of me onto paper. Like I don't want to be distracted by other stuff. So I think mm -hmm. the other thing is eliminate distractions, man. Don't give yourself the out. You know, the last thing you need to be doing is watching the dog on a fucking skateboard on Instagram when you should be writing or you should be doing work. And it happens all the time. Right. <laughs> the other day, my buddy's like, dude, I just got done watching Cobra versus Rhino. I'm like, get a life, man. Let's go get your shit. <laughs> It was funny, but you're not being very present or maybe you're being too present. You got to stop doing that shit. Get yeah, out of it. Yeah, you know, or he's like, Hey, you, you got, and my buddy's always complaining. Hey man, how do you write so many books? I want to write a book. I'm like, cause I don't watch fucking game of Thrones reruns. Like you do every weekend, dude, <laughs> write a book. Stop, stop, stop looking at everyone else's life and start writing. <laughs> there's actually, there's actually no secret. It's got nothing to do with your mindset. It's nothing. Just stop being distracted. Stop, yeah, exactly. Stop getting distracted and just do the damn work. <laughs> All right, bro, you know, I in order to do that, you got to be honest with yourself, right? You, it's yeah. kind of, it goes back to your point about accountability partners and the accountability mirror. Mm. The accountability mirror is taking an honest look at yourself and reflecting on where am I falling short? And I say, I, I call it the success cycle. Prepare, perform, reflect. And where most of the learning happens and the improvement happens in the next performance is in the reflection. But mm. we speed right through the reflection and we want to go back, prepare, perform, prepare, perform, prepare, perform. It's the guy who's the corporate warrior who's disguising and confusing being busy with business. Yeah.
you know, and there's a big difference between being busy and having chit chat around the water cooler or checking ESPN 10 times a day and getting shit done, man. Mm, dead right. Dead right. I, I, lo- I love those three steps you've got there. I've, I've been working a little bit with a mate of mine in the background outside of this business uh, for a while. He's an ex fighter pilot uh, right. from the Royal Australian Air Force here. And, and they have a system called flex and or flawless execution. And it's about planning, briefing, executing, ex-gapping, where are you in relation to where you want to be, and debriefing. And when you think about it, fighter pilot doesn't just walk out to the flight line with his mate, get in the jet and go, well, where are we going, man? What, yeah. what, what, where, dropping what? Where? That they, they plan meticulously. Yeah? I got to get that again. Hang, hang on. Yeah, that was very good. I need to write that down. So I'm going mm-hmm. to just call a timeout here on this podcast. And I'm going <laughs> to have you give me that flex again, man. Give me that one more time. Flex is flawless execution, and it's plan, brief, execute, ex-gap, and debrief. And that's the system that fighter pilots use. And I, I love it. It's the same as – it's a different iteration of what you had there with your three steps, and it's a really, really uh, useful tool to help you achieve uh, the things that you want to achieve. And each one of those steps, of course, has a, a detailed process that's associated with it. It's like a six-step awesome. planning process, a briefing process, et cetera, and stuff as well. I'll share it with you if you like. Thanks. Yeah, that's big time. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. It's, it's really, really cool. So, I mean, I, I want to shift gears a little bit into, uh, into some of your books because you've written a lot of books. You alluded to that. And uh, look, I saw on your website, you've got one that's called The 1% Intention. Tell us a little bit about yeah. that. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I've, I've uh, got 44 books done and there's only two that are on my website. The rest of them are on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And the two that are on my website are the most current. And I believe they're the two best that I've written. I've written a lot of books around you know, the mental game of golf, the mental game of football, the mental game of soccer. And they're really like how-to books. Yep. And then one, one day I said, I'm going to write an inspirational fiction. And it's a storybook that un- unveils principles and unveils truths and unveils strategies to help, help people close the gap from where they, are to, where they are to where they want to be. And the feedback I got on the inspirational fiction books has been fantastic. Hmm. So the 1% intention is about a high school teacher named Joseph Bigelow, a.k.a. Mr. Big. And Mr. Big is kind of on the treadmill of life. You know, Mr. Big is not real happy with his energy level. He doesn't, does he think he doesn't like kids these days that he has to teach. He's not happy with the way the administration is running the building. And he's not real happy with his wife and how things are at home. You know, he blames and points a finger at everybody else, never points a thumb at himself. And at the start of the school year, first day of in-service, Mr. Bigelow's car gets water buggied. What does that mean? People went out and they smashed his windows. They threw a hose in the car and the car got ruined. And now Mr. Bigelow couldn't be the last guy to school and the first one to leave. He had to ride into school the next day with his wife, who was teaching at another school. Ironically, his wife was the teacher of the year the year before, and his wife would get into school and be the first one there and the last one to leave. So she said, Joe, unless you want to walk to school, which I know you probably don't, you're going to have to ride with me in the morning. So Mr. Bigelow gets to school in the morning, and as he walks in, he smells the most amazing bacon he's ever smelled in his life. It's coming from the cafeteria, and the cafeteria worker, Sonny, Sandra Torina, call me Sonny, is cooking the bacon, and while the bacon is cooking, she's not going to waste a second, and she starts walking the halls. And as she walks the halls, she says, oh, Mr. Bigelow, you're here early this morning. I've never seen you here this early. And they strike up a conversation around things like Mr. Bigelow hanging up the number 180 in his room because there's 180 days left of the school year. And Sonny says, well, why don't you just hang up number one? Because the most important day of your teaching career is today. Don't count mm. the days. Make the days count. There's a point. She also goes into talking about how Mr. Bigelow, if he wants to close the gap from where he is to where he wants to be and wants to become more for his students, it's not his students. It's him. 
and he's got to work harder on himself than he does on anything else. And she says, you know, Mr. Big, if you want to get 1% better, like you want your students to, and like your test scores need to, or you're not going to have a job next year because he was put on a professional development plan by the principal and he should have had a professional development plan for himself as everyone should. And he was put on a personal development plan at home by his wife and he should have had a personal development plan for himself as everyone should. She said, Mr. Big, why don't you take 1% of a day and stop talking about getting 1% better up here in the fucking clouds because it doesn't grow that way. It grows down here in the dirt and take 1% of a day, 14 minutes and 24 seconds and create a game plan. And why don't we start with you walking with me tomorrow for 1% of a day because that's exactly how long I walk. And over the course of the rest of that week of in-service, Sonny teaches Mr. Big about the MVP process, having a mission, a vision, and principles, teaches him about not counting the days, making the days count, and how to be intentional about everything that you do. And for the rest, you might want to pick up the book. Beautiful, beautiful. Brian, why do you think people connect with the storytelling side of it better than the instructional side? Because people don't be want, want to be told what to do. People want to be able to come to their own conclusions, and they can do that when they see themselves in a story. Mm. And when they read a story, they can always, I think, relate to the story and see themselves in the story. And if you think about the book that's been around the longest, right, the Bible, first book ever written, all it is is stories. Yeah. If you think about you know, people and what they remember, that most of them remember stories. And I think that's, you know, the stories are great, but the stories that I'm writing in the book have strategy. Mm. And the difference is there's a lot of books that just give you story, but then you close the book and go, Oh, that was great. Yeah. What are you doing with it, man? Yeah. <laughs> like when you listen to a podcast, uh, you know, I hear people, Oh, I listen to all these podcasts, man. What podcasts are you listening to? I got this long drive. I go, it doesn't matter what podcast you're listening to. What are you doing with a podcast you're listening to? Mm. So for people who are listening to this, let's give them one, let's give them two strategies right now, Robert, that they can do one set a 1% intention for 14 minutes and 24 seconds, which is 1% of a day go to work harder on yourself than you do on your job. It might be using meditation. It might be exercise. It might be stretching. It might be getting organized. It might be turning your damn phone off and engaging with your wife and kids. Whatever it is, you come up with an intentional plan and write it down. Otherwise, it's in the clouds and shit. Don't grow in the clouds. <laughs> write it down for 14 minutes and 24 seconds. The other strategy people can take right away and use is called the one-word focus. And the one-word focus is simply you select one word for a given time. It might be a month. It might be three months. It might be a year. But if you live that one word, you feel like you'll give yourself the best chance to close the gap from where you are to where you want to be. So for a long time, my run word was run. Like I just needed to run to get my miles up. And then I got hurt. And my one word became healthy, like start to do more mobility and more stretching. So right now, still kind of coming out of that 100-mile race just over a month ago, my one word is still healthy, more healthy nutrition decisions, more healthy, you know, in terms of like just today, I did a yoga, I did a Pilates, I did an ice bath, I went and got dry needling done. And I don't normally do those things all in the same day. But I said, hey, I got today to do it. Let's do it because that's me living more healthy. My wife's one word is consistency. And in our kitchen, we have a little like magnetic whiteboard on the refrigerator and we each have our, our one word written down there. And when we sit down and, and we're in the kitchen at the same time, which is usually once a day, whether it's you know getting coffee or in passing or something, I'll just check in and go, hey, you being consistent today? And she'll go, hey, you being healthy today? And it's just an easy accountability because you can see it. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And it's simple. There's nothing, uh, there's no black art about any of that. It just means you've got to commit to it and not be distracted by anything that's else there. And that kind of segues beautifully with those two little tips there. And thank you so much for sharing that because it's unbelievably powerful. And for me, hearing you articulate it like that for the first time, that is so 
so powerful and it just embodies everything absolutely everything that it means to go all in and and commit and now as you're saying it i'm thinking what was what's my word been and my word's been commitment because i've had to really go all in on this business to make it work and be completely committed to it and i burnt the boats at the shore i got no choice i've got i can't go back i've just got to keep going forward and you know when you do that and when you commit to something like that amazing things happen and it's not to say that i wasn't scared or or had some level of trepidation about it not working and has ups and downs and cash flow and all sorts of business problems that you have. But here I am, you know, and, and I'm, I'm glad I committed because on the other side of that commitment and that, that effort is everything that you actually, actually want. So yeah, I think my word is commitment. I'm not sure about the other 14 minutes. I, I definitely don't intentionally do that 14 minutes, that 1% of my day. I'm doing that stuff anyway, but I'm definitely not spending that 14 minutes on myself. So I'm going to take that on board and actually do that. Well, and think about, you know, so for, I'll tell you what my, mine, mine personally is I call what's called success hotline. And here's another strategy for, for your listeners. One of my mentors, Dr. Rob Gilbert, he's a professor of sports psychology at Montclair state in New Jersey. And check this out. You want to talk about consistency and commitment, man. Every morning since January 22nd, 1992, over 10,300 days, he leaves a three minute mindset message on an answering machine. And all you do is call and listen. And the phone number, and now in the U.S., I think it's plus one is the area code for you to call into the U.S. So for your listeners over in Australia, it'd be plus one, nine, seven, three, seven, four, three, four, six, nine, zero. And you call and listen. And this guy is the number one best speaker, coach I've ever listened to. I've called every day since 2006 when I first heard him. And, you know, that's three minutes. I then spend about two minutes reading a book called The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday. It's just a one page a day read that kind of helps me understand more about stoicism and self-control and being in the only meaning there is to events in life is the meaning that you give them. And then I speak, I take 10 minutes and I use a meditation app on my phone called The Daily Calm. And I just hit The Daily Calm Meditation and I do all three of those things right first thing when I get up, call success hotline, read The Daily Stoic hit my calm meditation, and then I'm into exercise. And the days that I do it, I'm definitely getting started on a better foot than the days that I don't. If I go three, four days without meditation, man, I lose my shit pretty quick. You know, and, and I open book, right? I'm fair to say that I teach self-control and discipline for a living. And if I get out of my routine, I drop self-control and discipline pretty quick. So that's why I'm real structured and try to be that way just because I know myself that I have to do that in order to give myself the best chance for success and to be able to serve other people. I think another thing is you're talking, Robert, about building the business and being an entrepreneur and going all in is you got to know what game you're playing. (laughs) You got to know what you're going all in on. And one of the first things I have my corporate clients do is write down your definition of success. Because if you don't have a definition of success, you're chasing rabbits, man. And they're never going to get them. So you have to get clear on your definition of success, which is also in the 1% intention. And the other thing you have to do is you have to create what I call an MVP process. Now, I would suggest this is the first thing I do when, when a lot of professional athletes I've worked with in their careers are over, they want to get, become an entrepreneur and get into a business. The first thing we do is I say, well, what's the mission? Mission being what's on the gravestone. Why do you exist? Vision being what do you want to get done? What are the tangible yes and no's you want to get done? If you can answer it with a yes or no, it's part of your vision. If it has no finish line, it's a mission. So for example, my mission, educate, empower, energize others to be their best. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to do that tonight. Mm -hmm. Part of my vision is, 
you know, pay off my house in two years. Part of my vision is 10,000 coaches certified in my mental performance mastery certification. Part of my vision is finish Ultraman Arizona in March, 2020. Part of my vision is a four hour marathon, things like that, that are tangible. Yes or no. Did I do it? If I did it great. If not, okay, good. Let's move, keep moving it forward. And then the P of the MVP process is core principles. Now core principles may be referred to as core values. They may be referred to as, you know, covenants. When I say a core principle is how do you want to show up every day? And the acronym that I use is, is DELP, D-E-L-P, discipline, energy, and excellence, love, present, process, productive. Like those are the core values that I try to drive things through. So when I do my weekly reflection, it's another thing you can do, simple strategy to ask, add or a tool is on Sunday, I sit down and my window is like seven to 9 PM. I'll sit down and I'll reflect and say, okay, did I get done this week? What I wanted to get done and how did I live at being disciplined? Did I bring great energy and excellence? Was I loving? Was I present? Did I work my process? And was I productive in terms of getting the things done I wanted to? And then I'll map out every minute for the next two weeks. So I'm always working like two weeks out in advance. And then, you know, then I'll shut it down. And if I, hopefully I'm done in time, I can go hang out with my wife for a little bit or I go off to bed, but Doing that as part of my Sunday bookend routine, right? You have bookend routines for the morning and at mm. night. You have bookend routines for your week, bookend routines for your year. That's been massive for me. So know your, how you define success, create your MVP process, and take time someday of the week, maybe it's Friday before the work week's over on Sunday night, and reflect on your previous week and fucking game plan the shit out of the next one. Mm, I love it. I love it. Such such practical, sensible, and, and easy, pragmatic tips, mate. Thank you so much for sharing that with the audience. It just it kind of reiterates what most people already know and what most people don't do. I really had to force myself to understand what my definition of success was recently as well. And for me, like many entrepreneurs, it's always been a financial goal. But the mm -hmm. trouble is, once you achieve the financial goal, it's about how do you hold on to it and how do you yeah. get and how do you level up and whatnot. And uh, what I realized was actually I haven't been motivated in this business, the goal in business by finances. I've been motivated by affecting and helping as many people as, as possible. And my definition of success changed radically and dramatically in this business. And you know what? The minute is incredible. It's like I, I hear about it. I read the stories. As soon as I change my thinking to say, I want to make this much money or get this much recurring revenue or this much anything like that. As soon as I dispensed with that and said, you know what? What if I, what if I just reached more people and shared more messages and helped more people? All of a sudden, my financial goals were like, uh, 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 and it just oh, yeah. went out of the way. It was just sure. not, not an issue. Like I should have done that right from the start. Bloody hell. Great. Yeah. Great. Uh, I got it. Heard one of my mentors said one time, he says, if you focus on influence and impact, you'll make an income. If you focus yeah. just on income, you'll miss influence and impact and the income will, will disappear with it. You know? So that, that's, it's funny that you mentioned that when you gave up the financial goal for the impact goal, you gave up the outcome for the process, you got more results, you know? And I think we all go through that as entrepreneurs. I mean, there was definitely a phase where like my number one goal was X amount of dollars a year. And now the number one goal is how many coaches can I get into the certification program? And with my big goal being, if I can get 10,000 coaches into my mental performance mastery coaching certification, if I get 500 a year for 20 years, there's 10,000. And if each of those 10,000 coaches can go and impact a thousand lives over the course of their lifetime, which is totally manageable, that's 10 million lives we're impacting. Yeah. And if I'm on my gravestone, it says, Brian Kane created a certification that impacted 10 million lives across the globe. I'm good.
Now you're leaving a legacy, baby. That's that's the, yeah. that's the shit right there. Tell, tell me about mental performance mastery. What's it all about? People have never heard that before that are listening to this podcast. If they want to know more about it, what's, what is it? It's a course. It's a book. What is it? Yeah, 100%. So, so there's two. There's a storybook, Mental Performance Mastery, where just like 1% intention, I tell a story about um, the mental performance mastery. Now, what mental performance mastery is, okay, is I call them the 10 pillars of mental performance mastery. And over the 15 plus years I've had of working with elite coaches, elite athletes, five UFC world champions, two major league baseball, Cy Young Award winners, a Heisman Trophy winner. Just, I've been super fortunate and blessed to work with really, really high level people. Mm-hmm. And what I've found is that they all have done the, the same 10 mental skills. They all have the same 10 mindsets, same 10 mental skills. And if you think about like being a great, let's say, let's say a rugby player. Right? What are the skills a rugby player has to have? They have to be able to catch. They have to be able to, to be tough. They have to be able to run. They have to be able to cut. Well, if you think about an athlete or a corporate person, they all have to have these 10 mental skills to be successful. So let me give you the 10 pillars of mental performance mastery. Number one is an elite mindset. They understand the difference between like growth and fixed mindset. Number two is motivation and commitment. They're highly motivated and they're highly committed. Number three is focus and awareness. They have that locked in laser focus and the awareness of when they drift to pull it back. Number four is self-control and discipline. They have the self-control to be mentally and emotionally in control and the discipline around what they do and what they don't do. Number five is they put the process over the outcome. Like we've talked about, they have a goal, whether it's financial, whether it's impact, but then they reverse engineer and work that goal back into what can I do in the next 24 hours? I call it, they have a telescope goal, massive impact, really big and a microscope goal. They know exactly what to do in the next 24 hours. That's pillar five process over outcome. Pillar six is meditation and mental imagery. Meditation being a practice of quieting your mind and getting present moment focused. Mental imagery is see everything twice, improves preparation, improves confidence. Number seven is routines and habits of excellence because you become what you do with your routines. We've talked a lot about those. 1% intention is part of my morning routine. Number eight is time management and organization. And the biggest tool is schedule every minute of your day and have a touch it once rule where, you know, you're not keeping your inbox of your email as your file cabinet, where if you got to find an email, you got to scroll through a thousand emails. Every time you look at an email twice and go over it, you're, you're wasting life. Number nine is leadership and what that means and how you grow it. And number 10 is how you create the right culture and who you surround yourself with or the culture of your organization, because essentially it's your culture that's going to drive your behaviors. It's your behaviors. They're going to produce a result. So those are the 10 aspects of mental performance mastery that I've seen, whether it's individual athletes, teams, corporate individuals and sales or corporate organizations, that's where they excel, but they're often not trained in those areas. Mm. They either figure it out somehow, some way, or they don't. And most of them, a lot of them don't. That's why there's only so few that are the best of the best. And in my mental performance mastery certification course, which people can find at briancane.com slash certification, B-R-I-A-N-C-A-I-N.com slash certification. I put together a workbook and a series of videos where you go through and I literally teach you how I teach these 10 pillars of mental performance with the clients and athletes I work with. So if you're a life coach, if you're a sports coach, if you're a sales trainer, if you do any type of human development for yourself or other people, 
this is the best certification course that's ever been created. If you get into it and it doesn't change your life and you're not into it, I will refund you 100%, no questions asked. That's how much I stand behind it. And I know it works because I wrote it and it's exactly what I've done to get results with my clients. And essentially what I do with my clients to get results is largely what Ken Revisit did with his clients to get results for the 40 years of work that he did before I ever met him. And when he passed away, July 8th of 2018, the New York Times said the godfather of sports psychology it was what they referred to him as. So I can only be on this podcast, Robert, and I can only feel like that I can write a certification course because I have stood on the shoulders of giants and I've had tremendous training and I've had tremendous opportunity to work with great athletes, great coaches, and great people. And I want to share what they do that you can do, that your listeners can do to help close the gap from where they are to where they want to be. It's tools. It's what to do. It's not fucking theory. Enough of that already. I love it. I love it. And if you're listening to this podcast on your phone, just peek at your phone and you'll see the link to Brian's website right there. So you don't have to go digging for it or remember it. It's right there in the show notes. Just click on that link, head over to his site and you can see it. And if you're watching this video on YouTube or on Facebook, just scroll down. And again, the links for Brian's website and his courses are right there. Well, as we bring the podcast to a close, thank you so much, mate. Thank you. I I can't, from the bottom of my heart, from the listener's heart, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing all of your knowledge. And mate, I could talk about this for hours and hours. And hopefully when you're down under here in the next couple of months, you look me up and we'll go and go and have a, uh, a lunch somewhere. I'll take you out around this beautiful place that I live and we can talk some more about it. But I'm not going to let you go without putting you in the hot seat and asking a, a couple of quick questions. It's a little bit of fun. A lot of podcasters do this. I'm changing up the format of my show and it's really pretty random, no particular order. And I'm just looking for the rapid fire question and the first thing that comes to mind. And the last one, just a bit of, bit of warning, is a bit philosophical and maybe a little bit deep even. All right, here we go. Good. Swim, run, or ride? All three. I'm not oh, gonna... Come on, come on. <laughs> all three. I love, I'll, I'll do them all. Do them all. If, I had to, if I had to do one, probably swimming because it's the one I'm the worst at. And I think you ought to attack the things you suck at. Plus, for me, swimming is the easiest on the body. Very nice. Very nice. What is it, Brian, that you've, you've done a lot in your life? And like all of us, we've all had ups and downs. And like all of us, we haven't mastered everything. But what is it right now in your life that you find challenging that you haven't quite mastered? The ability to say no. The ability <laughs> to create a plan where you start with lifestyle design in mind and stick to the plan. And be, the challenge for me, Robert, is that I love what I get to do, man. My mission is educate, empower, energize other people to be their best. So when the phone rings, I want to go answer the call. And every time I say yes to answering that call, I'm saying no to my wife, you know, because she's here and I'm there. So mm. I'm trying to start with, and there's a reason why I married her. She's a badass, right? You'll meet her when you come out here or when we hook up down there is, I need to, I've always, I've always been just, I'm a coach. I'm going to run and gun, man. I'm going to serve people. I'm going to go do it. And I realized that I'm better as a coach when I take more time for myself. So one of the things I talk about with leadership is lead yourself first. I'm trying to do a better job of that. I don't do great with that. Very nice. Very nice. What's the uh, best piece of business advice that you've ever received? Focus on influence and impact and the income will be there. Love it. Love it. And yeah, ditto. That happened to me. Not never a truer statement on the Go All In podcast. Here we are. Yeah. All right, last one for the hot seat before we close it out. What's the, here's the deep philosophical question. What's the number one tip, the number one tip that a listener or a viewer can, can use to control their mind? Because 
my mind runs crazy sometimes. What can I do to bring it back into focus? Breathe. And here's a deeper, deeper answer. Number one is breathe, man. Oxygenate your brain, slow your heart rate down and get clear. So breathe. But in order to get clear, you have to first write down what are you doing that day? That's why I talk about time blocking and writing down blocks of every minute of your day. And, you know, and some of those blocks are 15 minute blocks. And some of those blocks are five minute blocks. If I'm eating and some of those blocks are 90 minute blocks like this call. And then I just know I don't have to put together a full day. I just have to dominate this block. Be present, be where your feet are, execute in this block, and when it's done, move into the next one. And depending on the block you're in, you bring a certain level of focus, a certain level of energy, a certain level of intensity. And you know, I think that's a big one is if you're going to be present and you want your mind to not wonder, you have to tell your mind what you should be doing in that moment. And the only way to do that is to have it written down so you can see it and then eliminate the distractions and go fucking all in on what you're supposed to be doing in that moment. And the other thing I would suggest, if you want to quiet your mind, is take out a piece of paper right now. Last thing I'll share, and if you ask me, the big question I ask on my podcast, Robert, and I'm going to ask you this, this is how we're going to close, I'm going to flip the script here on you, my friend, is I'm going to ask you this question first, I'm going to answer it myself, but I'm going to give you time to think about it, is it's a million dollar question. What do you know now you wish you knew and you can fill in the blank. So I'll say, what do you know now you wish you knew before you were doing the Go All In podcast? Mm-hmm. You know, when people ask me, you know, hey, what do you know now you wish you knew then? I'd say, how easy it is to get distracted by what you can't control. So for the listeners, please do this. Take out a piece of paper, write down on one side of the piece of paper, can control, other side of the piece of paper, can't control, and make a list. And then take all the things that you, and then write down the percentage of time that you've invested over the last week or so into what you can't control versus can control. And most of your listeners, as in most of the people on the planet, are going to spend more time on what they cannot control than what they can control. (laughs) When you look at that list of cannot controls, you need to discipline yourself and bring the awareness to it that this is a waste of time. Now, there are things you can influence. For example, if I'm working with an athlete who's a UFC fighter, right? He's going to say, I want to win this fight. Okay, well, can you control winning the fight? No. You can influence winning the fight. So the winning the fight goes on the can't control because there's another person who's in there. But what you can control is attitude, effort, preparation, training, nutrition, how hard you go, how hard you fight, what you do in the fight. And I said, and if you want to influence the win, what you can, the path of how you influence things is through what you can control. So execute the things you can control at an elite level and let go of the things that you can't. Robert? What do you know now you wish you knew before you started doing the Go All In podcast? Uh, I, wish, I wish I trusted my intuition and my gut more because it's always, always, always right. And over-rationalizing and overthinking things in my life has been my undoing in many circumstances because we are feeling beings. We're not just thinking beings. We're thinking and feeling beings. And the combination of thinking and feeling is how you make decisions. And if something just doesn't feel right, it's probably not. If it feels right, it probably is. So for me, that's been unbelievably impactful. And on the other side of all the hardship that I've experienced in my life, and certainly with this business of Go All In, that has been unbelievably true for me. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really good way to, to close it out. I appreciate it. Brian, if people want to, connect with you. What's the best way? Is it via LinkedIn, via your website? What's the best way? Uh, yeah. Best way is definitely at the website. Brian Kane, B-R-I-A-N-C-A-I-N.com, Brian Kane.com or Twitter, Instagram at 
Brian Kane Peak, B-R-I-A-N-C-A-I-N-P-E-A-K. And the other day, Robert, one of my mentors, Rob Gilbert of Success Hotline, he said uh, one of the greatest compliments I've ever gotten. And he said, Brian, you're an expert, but more importantly, you're an accessible expert. So when he said that, that was a good compliment. So let me give my email address as well because I checked that more than text or phone just because it's, it's a little bit more efficient and I can do it that way. But it's, it's my name, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, the number one, at briancane.com. Excellent. Thank you, mate. And again, if you're listening to the show on your phone, just peek at the show notes and all of the links to Brian's contact information is right there. And if you're watching this video, just scroll down and it's right there in the notes. Well, mate, this has been absolutely epic. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I can't thank you enough. It's been one of the funnest shows I've done in in a while. And sorry to all the other guests, but Brian, you took it, man. You brought the energy, you brought the knowledge, you brought the practical tips, man. Thank you so much. And thanks for going all in with me and my audience. We appreciate it, mate. Bye for now. Thanks, Robert. Appreciate it. Hopefully I get a chance to, to, to meet you in person and hopefully meet a lot of people down there in Australia that are fans of your show when I'm in uh, Australia here in December. So maybe we can set something up. Maybe there'll be a go all in event with the two of us serving people at a high level. Look forward to it. Thanks, baby. See you, mate. Well, there you have it, folks. What a show. Please connect with Brian. I urge you to connect with him. Get inside of his ecosystem, follow him on social, and make sure you listen to his podcast and watch his videos. His methods and practices, they're simple. They're so easy to do, but they're truly, truly life-changing. And all of us need a little bit of a hand to be pointed in the right direction. All of the links to his socials and to his website, etc. They're all in the show notes. They're right on your phone. So there's no excuse. Do it right now. Just peek at your phone or scroll down if you're watching this video and click on those links. I promise you it will change your life. His methods and his methodology are truly life-changing. Okay. If you have a question or a comment for the show, you can send that your feedback via the goal in socials, or you can send me an email at any time. Just visit goalin.com.au to find out more. Well, I didn't want it to end, but that's the end of the show. That wraps it up for today. So whatever it is that you're doing, whatever you're working on, get busy, get to it, and go all in. I'll see you next time.